0: This podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Today, we're talking AAC because AAC is not my jam, but I have someone here who you could say it is. So Ashley Larcy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Tell everyone a
1: little bit about you and your SLP journey to where you are now. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, (laughs) I've been practicing as a speech pathologist now for, I'm going into my 12th year. It's been a journey. I graduated like in 2005 with a degree in psychology, didn't know what I wanted to do. I worked at a residential school for autistic children for a time and got introduced to speech then and knew that that was what I wanted to go back to school for. Um, there were tons of students that I worked with at that time who used AAC. And AAC, you know, back like in 2005, looked a whole lot different than it looks today. Like like boxes and pets. Oh my like, god, yeah. <laughs> like Minimo's and, you know, yeah, a lot of communication books, you know, there was nothing, you know, the iPads didn't exist. It just looked so different. So anyway, I, I kind of have always known that this was what I wanted to do. And yeah, I'm just, I'm really passionate about it. In the last several years, I've been really, really passionate about working with older students specifically. About seven years ago, eight years ago now, I started working at a public high school. And that it's such an honor to be able to work with older students and to be a part of that journey with caregivers and stakeholders. It's an emotional time and there's a lot of changes. There's a lot of things that are going on. And, you know, to be able to support families through that has been wonderful. And then also literacy. I'm super passionate about that too. So
0: that's how I got got here. You guys can tell why I brought her on. (laughs) High school students, AAC, like, hello there. So can you explain some challenges that you've had working with this age group and with this population? Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. I think the transition to high school not only for families, but for students can be really, it's a big change. You know, like I said, I work in a public high school. So it's a big giant building with lots of students that are walking around, you know, and um, lots of different places to go. So that is intimidating, not only for students, but it's, you know, it's intimidating for families too. Also, you know, at 14, you start talking about that transition plan and then things really start to get real, right? Like eventually these services are going to go away. Eventually we're going to get to adulthood. What does that look like? You know what does the learner want? you know what do they what do they see doing you know? in their life you know and i think unfortunately for a lot of our students that's limited based on like state services and funding and things like that so it's it's tough those are some of the challenges that i see there's also challenges with other things i think that as students get older there's this big push towards functional sorts of life skills and sometimes i think that we miss the mark on that sometimes i think that we really need to make sure that we're always centering the learner As far as what those are, you know, like I'm thinking about like recycling, like, you know, what if the learner doesn't have any interest in going around and, you know, collecting recycling? Like we really need to be thinking about them and what they want to do with their life and really centering them in the process. So sometimes I think that's been like maybe a challenge just as far as like the greater, you know, global working with older students. Can Uh, you give some tips on how to pull that out of your
0: students on like, what do they want and how do you find it out?
1: Yeah, I love, there's a couple of things, like being a part of the transition planning process, I think is really, really key, you know, and it, it depends, right? You're working with students with a wide range of abilities. Some students, you know, are able to tell you, like, I like this and I don't look like this. Some students are really, really emergent in that skill. I always say, like, when I'm working with really, really emergent communicators, working on saying, like, I like this and I don't like this, I think is such a foundational skill, even when it comes to like inactivity, activity, a book that you're reading, something that, you know, maybe an outing or something that you went on, because that really kind of sets the stage towards Saying I like this and I don't like this about a lot of different other things too when it comes to transition planning. I like working outside. I like being, you know, I like getting up early in the morning, you know, different things like that. Um, If they can't say, you know, I like this and I don't like this, then, you know, that, that really inhibits their ability to be part of that transition plan. And then we're relying a lot on like caregivers and things like that. And that's fine, you know, but we really want to involve the learner as much as we possibly can. Yeah. So I think that that's like one of the biggest things is how we can be Part of that. And I think that embedding that into everything that we're doing, where we're always talking about, what did you think about this activity? What did you think about, you know, whatever it was that we just did? And if they're not able to tell us, then maybe attributing meaning, you know, if they're like turning their head away and running from the table, like, hey, I can see that you don't like this. And I'm modeling that and trying to teach that skill.
0: Behavior is communication. And with our younger ones, it's so easy to say, hey, like child centered learning and let's use their interests. Well, why not use their interests for? preparing them for the transition. Like we can't forget that, that piece, that thing, like, just because when they're three, it's, it's, it's still relevant when they're 13, 14, 15, 16 plus. Totally. Can you explain, like, give an example of what a therapy session might look like with your older
1: students? It depends, you know. I think your favorite, give your favorite lesson or something like that. My favorite lessons. I love like multi-sensory learning experiences. It is my thing. I just love it. I love like any way that I can pull in. Video and tactile and making like learning experiences real for kids, I think a lot of times, especially even thinking about literacy and just life in general, sometimes our students really have like limited life experiences, so if we're talking about something, if we're talking about a topic, you know they might not have like the background knowledge that maybe everybody else has to be able to make connections to what it is that they're learning and what the relevance is to their life. so I try to do that. I try to bring in like okay, you know we're talking about volcanoes in this book let's let's make one, let's watch one on YouTube, let's use some AR and pull one up on the table so you can see what it looks like and pretend to put your hands in it, you know, or just different things like that. And I think it's much more engaging. You know, I think that sometimes when kids are in therapy, you know, for a long time, they can get Burn out, you know, like we all do. You know, senioritis. <laughs> all right, my kids definitely have senioritis. If all of us SLPs are using the same thing, same activities year after yeah. year, it's like, yeah, all right, now let's change things up. I want to hear more about using AR in speech therapy. Oh my gosh, I love it! There's some awesome apps that you can use for AR. I've got them all on my iPad. If you look it up, you know, you're just really casting, you know, an image like on a table or on a floor, and then it looks like whatever it is that is kind of displayed on this screen is actually in your room. Um, Dragon AR is like a really fun one that I have. I have kids that love like dinosaurs and dragons and that's, oh yeah. And you can feed the dragon so you can incorporate lots of core words like eat and go and all, you know, is so, so, so fun. But there's, there's tons, there's tons of different ones where you can find just different images that you can cast into an activity that just makes it look like it's right there in front of them.
0: Oh, I can see so much language being elicited. Yes, so much. Students of all ages can benefit from this and enjoy it. So like don't think like oh that's only going to benefit like a preschooler. Yeah. Like, and I love it like volcanoes. You made it relevant. You took a book, you took a video, like you brought it to life. Like that's so practical
1: and relevant. Like that's no yeah. like, so fun. You spread it out, right? Like I think that sometimes we get stuck in like this like oh I can't like I can't repeat things. Like I don't, you know, I don't want to I don't want to do the same thing. But we know that, you know, our kids Benefit from repetition. They do, but it needs to be repetition with variety. That's Dr. Carolyn Musselwhite. I think think it's her, Dr. Karen Erickson. They always are talking about that repetition with variety. We can repeat, but just bring in something different. Maybe I'm reading the same book, but I'm gonna focus on a different concept this time. Maybe I'm doing something that's similar, but I'm my focus is different during the activity. It just makes it more fun. So you could do if they're reading about volcanoes in class, great. Let's focus on, you know, whatever their goal is. If it's expanding utterance length, if it's using different communicative functions, there's all sorts of things that you can weave into an activity like that by still pulling in whatever it is, either content wise or otherwise, you know, from the curriculum.
0: You mentioned books. What books do you use with this population that's appropriate for their cognitive level and their skill level yet? Age appropriate.
1: Yeah, I love Tar Heel Reader. That's my favorite, favorite website for older students. I like it too because it's switch accessible. So if you've got students who are using AAC devices with switch access, they can still turn the pages in the book and they can still rate the book, which again, that's that kind of skill of like, did you like this? Did you not? But and being it, okay, it's okay like, if you didn't. Like, that's okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. I always, it's great to hear that, you know, and it's, and it's, fine. If you don't like it, like I'm okay with that. If you didn't like my volcano activity, my feelings are not hurt. Thank you for letting me know, you know, I need to shift something that I'm doing. So anyway, yeah, I love Tar Heel Reader is a great one. And what I like about that is it's great for kids that are still maybe more emergent or like early conventional in their literacy skills, but they need access to texts that are, um, you know, age respectful. We're not reading like Brown Bear, Brown Bear or something like that. You know, I'm still reading things that are interesting to them. Again, there's a difference, I think, between I'm respecting a child's interest. If you like Brown bear that's fine I have no you know I have no issue with anything that you like you know if you like paw patrol as a 15 year old that's I don't I'm not judging your interest by any means um, but I want to try to expand on that too so doing that with like age respectful text I think is a is a great way to kind of expand on interests can you explain literacy skills
0: on like with a nonverbal student like how are you working on that
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, I'm looking at students who are, you know, if I'm talking about an emergent student, so a student who maybe doesn't know all of their letters of the alphabet, Um, maybe they don't understand that print has meaning yet. I think that sometimes, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier with those sorts of functional skills, I think sometimes people think like, oh, the boat's kind of passed for this. Like, we're not going to work on this anymore. We need to work on functional communication. The challenge for students who use AAC is that they can't, say everything that they would want to say unless they can spell, unless they can Mm -hmm. write with their AAC system. So it doesn't matter how robust a system is with the number of words or the number of phrases that are pre-programmed in there. If they can't use the alphabet to create their own words or their own messages, they're always going to be stuck, you know, with Mm -hmm. whatever number of words are in that device. And so that's why I say, you know, it really is such a functional skill to still, you know, work on that. So, you know, and I think that sometimes too, I think SLPs might be like, oh, I don't know, like literacy, you know, literacy sometimes I think is scary in and of itself, right? Mm But then literacy and AAC, it's like, oh, you know, (laughs) and whose
0: responsibility?
1: Is that the teacher? Is that us? Like, Yeah. How about about no one does it? And we just like, (laughs) sometimes that's what happens. Everybody is so well-intentioned, I think, but it's scary. It's scary just not to know what to do and to be afraid to do the wrong thing. But, you know, I would just encourage people like doing something is better than doing nothing, you know? So even if you feel like you're doing something wrong, I mean, I think that's, you know, just taking the steps to learn more. Is so important. You know the book Comprehensive Literacy for All by Dr. Karen Erickson and Dr. Co- David Copenhaver. That's that's my literacy Bible. That's like what I use for my framework for working with AAC users, and it really breaks down like exactly what literacy instruction should look like. We'll put a li- we'll put a link to that in the show notes, and that's what uh, I guys. It is. It I is, know. I'm, I know. I'm adding it to Amazon cart. Like, oh my gosh, it is. <laughs> it is thin. I carry. it. I think I've got like three copies. Like, I've, like in different places to make sure. I I always have access to it and I've read it multiple times and I'm always constantly kind of referring to it because there's a lot to think about when it comes to, you know, AAC users and non-speaking individuals when it comes to literacy. But the reality is, is that the instruction doesn't look that much different than what we would do for other children. There's just a couple of like accommodations that we would need to make there. So uh, one example of an accommodation you might. Yeah. So one accommodation might be, okay. So like child might be writing, if they're talking about writing, they're writing with a pencil. They might be using something like a pencil grip if they're in OT, but what do you do with a child or with an adult? I should say I work with older students too, who can't use their hands. You know, Maybe they have a disability where they they don't have access to their hands. So that's where we would look into something like, that's called an alternative pencil. An alternative pencil is a way that it's providing access to all the letters of the alphabet, but they are selecting letters either by pointing to letters on an alphabet board, if they're able to do that, um, by using even just a keyboard as an alternative pencil. Mm -hmm. Um, You can use that as an alternative pencil for students who use switches. um, It'll scan through the different letters and when they get to the letter that they want to put down, they can hit the switch and it'll indicate to whoever the communication partner is that That's the letter that they want to write. There's lots of different options. Um, kids write, might, you know, write with like a label maker. If it's super, if it's mo- whatever, if it it's motivating, we're going to use it. You know, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's motivating for them and it gets them writing, then we'll use that. Um, like it teaches
0: them that level of independence. Like finally, yeah. like I can get my message across and get my wants and needs heard. Mm-hmm. Do they see that motivation there? Like, yeah. Be willing to engage and. Exactly. So amazing. I love it that you've just like opened our eyes of like making it just really functional for these students and where they are in their life and where they're going and not just be stuck on doing the same old activities over and over again because they haven't met that goal. Right. Exactly. I, I love listening like how like how I can incorporate the I like and I don't like and how... Yeah. The, and I'm sure there's a lot of collaboration with the OTs when it comes to like switches and modifications <laughs> and accessibility and things like that.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Especially when you know switch switch access can be really really tricky. Um, there's if that's a that's a whole team approach. You know, I always sometimes I feel like the work is never done with switch access, and that's okay. You know, there's never sometimes there isn't an optimal like switch site, and sometimes we're really trying to problem solve that. Sometimes they're never, you know, th- it might change, and that's okay. But yeah, there's so much collaboration that goes into that, and and that's OTs oh, are um like a key member when it comes to that writing access, when I'm talking about, you know, how they're going to access the alphabet using an alternative pencil. You know, a lot of times they're the ones that can help me kind of figure out like, okay, do they have the motor skills to be able to use this pencil? Do we need to look at something different? And sometimes it's an ongoing process. You might use one alternative pencil for a little bit. You might find something better. It might not. Same thing with AEC systems too. You know, sometimes, like I said, technology changes, you know, like, in 2005, there were mos. I mean, I don't think anybody's using a minimo <laughs> from Dynavox. No, like
0: that, like that might be in like a time capsule or something. Yeah,
1: technology. <laughs> you know, I think as much as we want to say, like, you know, this is the permanent system. You know, the reality is that like technology changes. It, the systems, the language system might remain somewhat similar, but the you know the hardware and that that that'll change. Um, so, <laughs> and
0: I think we need to change also and adapt and realize that our students are capable of so much more than I think that we were used to thinking. Yes. And we need to be their advocates more than anything.
1: Oh my gosh, yes, yes. Like I'm thinking about, you know, I work with a lot of emergent communicators and I think that a lot of people, again, that functional piece where it's like, I don't want to spend time working on, you know, that literacy piece because they really need to work on, you know, how they're going to communicate their wants and needs. It doesn't have to be, oh gosh, there's a word that I'm looking for. It doesn't have to be like either or. It can be Mm -hmm. both. It can be both. It should be both. You know, we can do that in ways that are really meaningful for the student. That way they're able to make connections. I think that sometimes when, you know, literacy instruction, or maybe even if we just take learning letters of the alphabet, if I have a 14 year old that comes in and they haven't learned letters of the alphabet, and I've seen, gosh, I've seen some like awesome progress. And it's in the joy that it brings me when you've got a 15 year old that has finally learned, you know, the letters of the alphabet. I mean, I can't tell you the joy that it brings like the, the student, the student, right? Mm-hmm. But it has to have meaning. It can't just be like we're taking flashcards and we're drilling the alphabet from a field of two for, for 13 years and then saying like, oh, I don't know, they're not making progress. And that's what I love about that comprehensive literacy for all book. It's gonna outline like exactly what you should do, you know, how you can teach the alphabet in a really meaningful way. If we aren't pointing out letters in the environment, you know, if I'm not walking to the speech room and I'm like, oh, look, we just talked about letter S. There's that S on the door of my speech room. If I'm not making those connections for the child, then it's all the meaning that it has to them is this is this, this boring activity that you know? <laughs> it's <laughs> I played it in the speech closet. Ask, <laughs> that I'm asked to find the letter S on a field of two note cards. That so, you know that doesn't carry any meaning. But if I show them like, oh, this mean this letter. You know this is the first letter of this word, and this that's word your favorite, and been, that's your
0: favorite food, like. Yeah, like, oh, you love like snack time is your favorite, like, oh, like, like there's so much more meaning. Snickers, yes. like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, you're totally right. Yes. Bring in like all those things that they love, the characters that they love, the foods that they love. Then it, then it starts to have meaning. Love it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ashley.
0: This is so amazing. Guys, I know you're probably like, I want more. I want more. Well, guess what? Ashley is presenting on our November 5th speech retreat. So make sure you head to speechretreat.com to sign up so you can learn so much more from Ashley. Definitely. Ashley, where can they
1: learn more about you and everything you have to offer? I am primarily on Instagram. Um, I am Mrs Laracy on Instagram. That's where I, I'm, I'm not uh, very active in the summer. I have to be honest. I take my summers very seriously. Good but <laughs> I go back to work, unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, fortunately, you know, but I miss my summers, August 10th, which is like, you know, so so. anyway,
0: (laughs) thank you so much. I always end my episodes with a joke because jokes are fun. What did the triangle say to the circle? I don't know. You're pointless. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. Thank you so much, Ashley. And until next week, everyone, I hope this was the jolt of inspiration that you needed. Stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.